Welcome to Dream Work. I am avoiding copyrights by singing it myself. Welcome to DreamWork. I am Colin Delaney. In a moment, I will be joined by Cheech. We are the tag team of Two Infinity and Beyond. Just a tag team talking about tag teams. I want to uh, get through this intro quickly this week because despite the fact that the Outsiders probably have the least combined amount of matches than any team we talked about thus far on DreamWork, we take a deep dive on them and talk about just about every match they ever had. So we went a little longer this week, and I want to get right down to it. Uh, Before I do, uh, I wanted to thank everybody for listening. I know that there's a lot of options out there for podcasts and content, and it is not lost on us that you choose us, and you're still listening every week. So we're having fun, and we're going to keep doing it, and hopefully we'll get to cover every tag team in the history of ever. Without further ado... Let's do it. Let's get to this week's team. At a total combined weight of 615 pounds, representing the new, 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 new world order, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the Outsiders. Ow! Survey time. Oh, you damn right. And I think we know which way the survey always goes. I'm just going to tell everyone that we already tried this and we got disconnected. And last time I started with Hey Yo. So this time, not to be redundant, I just skipped it. But I meant Hey Yo. Exactly. Very true. Very true. <laughs> obviously, that is the perfect start to any survey. You got to get everyone's attention. Yeah, you got to draw them in. You got to get them the hey yo, so they are engaged, and then you give them the survey time. Exactly. They might miss the beginning if you just go straight into the survey. So you got to grab their <laughs> attention. Right. Uh, and that, of course, is because we are talking about the team this week of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the Outsiders. Can we get some preliminary thoughts here, Cheech? Preliminary thoughts. Um, there were things I expected that came true. There were things that I did not expect that came true. So it was it, it was uh, it was a mixed bag. Yeah, uh, I, I can I can agree with that. Uh, I guess the one thing I was most shocked by, I suppose, is that they actually, when you really look at their body of work. They really don't have that many matches, period, paragraph, as just the two of them. Yes, which makes all the more kind of surprising the fact that I'm sure you're going to get to that they were a team of the year. (laughs) Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, so if we can jump right into accomplishments, uh, they are the 1997 PWI Tag Team of the Year. Like, that's a thousand percent just got to be, like, a product of its time and place. In it, it, You know what I mean? Like, but, it, yeah. It is I to an extent. It... Uh, 1996 is when the NWO formed. 1997 is really when they were hitting their stride and really took over. So, I guess it, it I mean, it, it makes sense to a degree. Exactly. Um, 
to a degree, I, I say, because once again, if you really probably look at it, they probably had less than 20 matches together in all of 1997. I'd like to say they 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 made them count, but I can't <laughs> say that. They are six-time WCW Tag Team Champs. Wow. Uh, those, uh, I tried to dig in a little deeper because in watching these matches, I realized that they won them, then they lost them, but then they would get them back because of NWO shenanigans without ever necessarily I'm not sure if all of those counted as losses and ones again you know what I'm saying yeah it must have been because that caught me off guard when you said six I figured okay maybe two or three well you said six I was like whoa and I and I know as I'm as I was watching the matches I was like there were always belts either on them or the other team so I guess there was a lot of flip-flopping yeah it's six for the team uh Hall has one other with the giant and then Nash has two with DDP and one with Sting. I was going to say, I know that as as everyone assumes them to be the unit they are, they definitely had uh, flirtations and dalliances with other teams. I, yeah, I, I knew that they, they had other titles with other people in WCW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are technically one-time TNA tag team champs with Eric Young? Question mark? Was this the flying Elvis's gimmick thingy that they were kind I don't, of? Doing? No, I don't. I don't think it was. I think this is like 2010. It looked like from what I was seeing. Oh, uh, the, the band. That's what I was forgetting. The, when they were the band. I don't know. All I know is that I could not actually find any of their TNA matches to watch as just the two of them, and there's only a small handful. Um, yeah. So it is funny that in the five or six TNA tag matches they had together, they were one-time TNA tag team champs. I'm not surprised, but uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Apparently, PWI put out a top 100 tag teams of the PWI years in 2003. Okay. And on this list, they put the Outsiders at number 40. Okay, that <sighs> I have to assume that the PWI years were like from whatever seventy three or seventy two or whenever the PWI started until two thousand three. Yeah, he... I don't know. If this is necessarily an accomplishment of theirs, but it, I mean, it definitely is. But it's not like a concrete fact. Like I feel like their uh, influence definitely. Uh, outweighed everything else in that uh in in whatever they were factoring yes this is the first team that i i kind of watched segments that they were in in addition to just matches yeah their greatness was was a lot of uh outside of the ring things that helped them here's a couple other random facts that i also picked up um so kevin nash is two-time WWF Tag Team Champs with Shawn Michaels. Uh, Kevin Nash won the 1994 Slammy for Best Tag Team of the Year and Worst Tag Team of the Year with Shawn Michaels. Whoa. Scott Hall, also no stranger to other uh, 
tag team partners. Uh, most people know that he was AWA tag champs with Kurt Henning. Yes. My favorite fact of all, uh, <laughs> do you know what Scott Hall's first wrestling name was? Was in it the Gator? He was Starship Coyote. Oh yes, yes, yes! That is true, and it's such a crazy name. Because <laughs> wasn't he part? Of, wasn't it a tag team and another Starship guy? Yes, uh, he was on the American Starships with Dan Spivey. Whoa! Starship Coyote is uh, yep. That might be my new favorite. It's it's it might be better than Mongo Vile, which was Bubba Ray's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, I think that one's a little, even more of the times than a Mondo Vile. Starship Coyote, wow. Anyways, uh, yeah, so that's really all the accomplishments you can list for the Outsiders as a team. I mean, separately and singles and all of that, we all know Razor Ramon, Diesel, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, they've, you know, their accomplishments could fill up a notebook by themselves, but I was trying to really key in on, uh, the outsiders, and then more specifically, their tag team uh, beginnings and backgrounds. That's the thing. I feel like if you're going straight up like statistics, like hard facts, like you won this award, you won that award. All right, they might not have the most lengthy, but I guarantee, like if we're talking out of the ring, if we're talking bank accounts, like I feel like that should be in their <laughs> accomplishment. <laughs> That should well, be on their list of accomplishments. They, them bringing a the the fact that I know favored nations clause as far as a contract thing because of the outsiders. I feel like that should be on their accomplishments list. But that's not exactly an accomplishment that goes on an accomplishments list. Yeah, and and when you're looking at like random single stuff, uh, in past weeks we've discussed their. Uh their highest rank on the PWI 500. Kevin Nash was the number one wrestler in 1995, but also by PWI standards, he was voted the worst wrestler in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> the pendulum goes both ways. The pendulum. The, man, <laughs> the man went from the number one wrestler in the world in 1995 to the worst. I think he was worst wrestler in 1999 and 2000. I can't remember specifically. I know he was definitely 99. Oh man, that's 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 something. <laughs> that's a that's a career. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And once again, best and worst tag team in the same year for the Slammy Award in 94 was Shawn Michaels. Uh, that might be a, a podcast for another day, I guess. The 1994 run of Diesel and Shawn. The dudes with attitudes. Yeah. All right, so uh, what'd you watch, Cheech? Outsiders, where'd you go? Well, um, okay. You know me. I like to dig into the TV stuff, like the minutiae, the smaller things, not necessarily like their flash on pay-per-view. Yep. So I did watch some TV matches and then quickly realized <laughs> <laughs> that, wow, do they uh, make you work for their work. Uh, so then I quickly realized, okay, I need to watch nothing but pay-per-view matches in the hopes that that would change, and it did ever so slightly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's amazing Like that you think, oh, pay-per-view, you know, they, 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 they lace them boots up tight. It's like, yeah, they worked a little harder, but like, like, okay, maybe this is where we get into it, like, was there ever a super clean finish in any of the matches you watched? 
yeah, sure. When they were beating up guys. No, but I'm saying like if there was a finish, there was some sort of shenanigans. Yeah, you know what? I guess you're right. I was just gonna say I, I, I say that, and I'm immediately walking it back because I have down here at one point they lost to Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom by disqualification. <laughs> yeah, there's there was always sh- or even if there was a pin, it would be like oh the ref got like one of them is the ref gets poked in the eye and then falls down and clips Lex and then he falls on top one two three and I was like okay that was a pin but like that was definitely yeah no. I watched them beat, uh, at times, basically, like, nobody teams, but still, like, kind of had to use a distraction and a, a, a misdirection and a someone hops up on the apron or, a, you know. Yeah, ever there was always something like that. So, like, here, I'm, I'm looking, I'm finally looking at my list. There was a, a DDP and Lex on a Nitro. Uh, I definitely had to, and I'm assuming if you said you watched most of them, I know there was, I think there was two of them, but I saw one of Outsiders versus The Extreme. Oh, yeah. And I just had to see it because I was like, who the hell are The Extreme? And it yeah, was... Devin Moore and uh, Ace and... Darling, right? Exactly. So I watched a squash of that. Uh, what else? Uh, I saw the Ray Conan with the, the whole mask loss gimmick. Uh, I watched an Outsiders. I was. I told you. I, there, there had to be something when they went back to WWE. They had to a team at least once. So there was a, a a Rock Hogan match on Raw. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you probably saw that one. Uh, there was <laughs> okay. Here's one that I where I definitely learned there was a Flair Piper match on TV, and then I was like, okay, I need to go watch Flair Piper. I think a Great American. Oh, it was yeah, a Bash match that day. I was like, let me watch that one to see what that matchup really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I uh, I. I mean, I think I watched just about I, – I went on their, like, match listing and kind of went down the line of pretty much everything I could watch, minus some of the 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 squashy-type matches that were, like, under two minutes, you know? <laughs> Which had entrances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, – but I started right at the top, their first tag match uh, as just the two of them against Sting and Luger at Hogwild 96. Uh, I found myself dating the matches specifically so you could kind of see – for me personally, as I'm watching them, I thought you would be able to completely see them fall off the wagon. Okay, see, I did watch that match. That was their first tag match in WCW? Yeah, against Sting and Luger on Hogwild 96. That's the first of their, like, minus the, the, after, like, the Hogan turn, yada, yada. Wow. Okay, because I, because I, in my notes, there is just a line that says 1996 goodness, uh, mostly between Dusty, Heenan, and Giovanni, but, like, the, 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 the fervor and anger they have towards the NWO makes the commentary so good. Yeah, so it starts Hogwild 96. Uh, I went, there's a Harlem Heat one, Halloween Havoc that same year, Steiner Brothers. I did watch the Nitro Piper Flare match, which I would love to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a Benoit Flare. Uh, I watched them against Wrath and Mortis. Uh, Sometimes I did in between watch some of those job matches, but I didn't make note of them. But the one job match that I did make note of was the one against 
Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, the uh, previously the Beverly Brothers. Uh, I watched them against Sting and Giant in 98, and then the Conan Mysterio in 99, both of them. And then I did watch the, the WWE stuff. Yeah, and okay, as you were going through, like when you were looking at their prime run in WCW, I was trying to get like, you know, a mix, but it was basically, it was either Steiner's, Harlem Heat, uh, a Sting and a Luger mix, uh, something in that vein, and then uh, maybe some sort of a flare in somebody. Like, they didn't veer too far. Correct. Yeah, uh, for sure. And if they, but man, when they did that Wrath Mortis match in September 97, randomly fun. I could imagine it. I saw it and I just thought, okay, it's big guys. I'm trying not, I'm, that was, I was trying to stay away from just watching them versus other big guys. Man, you should have watched it. So let's let's start at the top. So I watched the that Sting and Luger Hog Wild '96 match, and going into this whole Outsiders thing, I, uh, one of the first things I usually try to do when we pick a team is I Google that team and then best matches, and just see what the internet has for me. See if I can get a you know a little bit of a gauge on what everybody thinks is their best matches, right? Okay. Do you know what the internet says when you look up the Outsiders' best matches? I, I'm curious. No, tell me. The internet tells you that there aren't any. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> then. Uh, so I really didn't have much to go on, and I also didn't really have uh, – High hopes, I guess. I suppose that's where I, I started. I was like, oh, man, this is probably going to be a rough watch. And, but I was actually pleasantly surprised. It, like right out the gate in that match against Sting and Luger, which once again, Sting and Luger, a combo that I don't really think of as a team. But now we're talking about it. They had that match of the year with the Steiners. And now we're here in Hogwild 96. And they have a really good match with the Outsiders. Oh, yeah. I, I thought about it. I was like, they could. Uh, now that we've done the Outsiders, who had so much less matches than I thought, I was like, oh, our field of options just increased. Like, I bet you Sting and Luger have more tag matches than the Outsiders. Oh, easy. And, and more meaningful tag matches than the Outsiders. It, like, it's probably not even close. Uh, That's crazy but, when you think about it like that. Yeah. But what I noted about this match, just looking at the Outsiders, they are cool. They are confident and they are look like they're having fun. I agree. But do you want to know what my first note of that match is? Um, yeah, bring it. Lex Luger is goddamn shredded. <laughs> oh, dude, I thought the same thing. I didn't even write. I didn't write it. But uh, the lighting of Hog Wild because it's outdoors and the lights were kind of down. So they could only run on this like lighting rig. So everyone kind of looked normal, you know, more normal than they would normally look on TV, except for Lex Luger, who still looks jack, jack, jacked. Ooh, his his 96, 97, whenever that 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 like when he like it's crazy because that was part of my whole of 96 goodness was I hope Lex understood like the the abnormality of his overness at that time and was enjoying it because like he looked like a million bucks and was probably as hot as he ever was. Yeah, but like once again, uh, with those the the lighting rig they had, plus the like the weird outdoor lighting, everyone else kind of looked, you know, 
they looked fine, but Lex Luger looked like a whole different animal. Yeah, and it being outdoors and it being hog wild, I was worried about, you know, how like, oh, the crowds would turn on it, or you hear that about the hog wild matches. At that point, Sting and Luger were over, and the Outsiders were hella over. So I was like, wow, they really held the attention of that outdoor biker crowd that, while they're, while they're there, aren't necessarily there for the wrestling. Yeah, it was so interesting because you could, you know, there were so many things they were doing where normally you expect to hear the crowd go up for, you know. On any other venue, when Sting does something like that, you would feel it through the screen. You would hear the crowd come up with sting but in front of this biker crowd it was kind of uh you know a little bit mild on on just about everything but they kept the crowd more captivated than i thought (laughs) uh would you know i I just don't imagine it was an easy uh audience yeah i was expecting the worst just hearing about the horror stories of that you know they're running a wrestling show in the middle of a biker weekend (laughs) so uh that match though right off the gate first tag match together they look cool. They look like they're having fun. They look confident. Everything they do is deliberate. And then when it comes around to it, they're taking big bumps and selling great for both guys for being so big. Like, right off the gate, I was like, oh, shit. Never mind. Outsiders are good. Yeah, see, okay, now you saw this first. So if that was your first thing, that was probably that, – that probably started you off hot. I saw this yeah. one like, like in the middle of my viewings or whatever – but uh, I wrote definitely that, like, it is – it'll never not be enjoyable seeing Kevin Nash get thrown around. Like, I don't know why. I was expecting him to not bump at all and blah, blah. I was like, no, he was always in there with big dudes. So, like, he would get thrown around, and it was great to see a man so big get thrown around. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Uh, I think I, – I went in with a little bit of the same impression, too, that the Outsiders just ate people up, and they really didn't – they didn't let anybody do anything or have anything, but that's not true in almost any match. Yeah, uh, I think I think because they were splitting the workload, like I'm sure they thought they were doing less, but they were still working hard. Like it, it was a, that was one of the things that I didn't expect that I liked. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, the Harlem Heat match. Uh, I specifically cued that one because that's where they win the tag titles. And I also found it interesting because Harlem Heat also heals. NWO, I mean, I suppose heals, but you realize real fast, NWO was such their own entity that did not, like, babyface and heel was not a thing for them. Yeah, they were very much their own bizarro world with their own weird gravity and atmosphere of, of in the wrestling business. You know what I mean? Like, they were a very different thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I watched them against Faces of Fear, too. So you'd watch them against teams that are like typically heel and that have been pushed as heels. And they're supposed to be kind of heels. They're like the heel faction, but the crowd's kind of behind them, but kind of behind the other team because of the WCW NWO dynamic. I it was it just made for some fun matches. Faces of Fear, by the way, easily the best opponents of the Outsiders. I I agree, and I I kind of like I was interested in that one because I was like, oh, like they ain't gonna fuck with the faces of fear, <laughs> you know what I mean? A hundred percent, and they don't, and the faces of fear don't let them. It's awesome. Uh, Scott Hall just gets his ass whipped by the faces of fear. It rules. 
Okay. Okay. Let's let's get to it. Let's get to the Scott Hall thing. Because something okay, I because so- you know as you brought up, he he had teamed with Kurt Henning, but like before this run, he very much had like a separate run in the business where I wouldn't say he was garbage, but like he wasn't very good. Like I'm trying to think. Can you name someone who went from not very good to holy crap? Do they get it so much? Yeah, no, I <laughs> sure, sure, I can, I can, I'll give you that. Like you know, what I mean, Gator Scott Hall compared to like '96 uh, Scott Hall, it's like holy crap, like it's night and day. And I, I, I've heard it's obviously because it was Henning. So I was like, I Henning must have been just a genius. <laughs> Yeah, but and those matches with Shawn Michaels in, in WWF and and working with Jeff Jarrett and he had he had good opponents in WWF leading up to the uh, the the split in the '96 stuff. True, even like his early Razor stuff was eh, but like I feel like he was even when he, even the Razor stuff he came in like way better. It, it was just and like like it's funny. We'll get it back to the outsiders. Like it's hilarious that of the team, he's the worker. He's obviously yeah. the one. He starts every match. Yep. Uh, and it's always because he's got to get, he's got to do a little bit of wrestling. And then eventually yes. he'll tag in Big Tev to be a big giant. And But it's hilarious that he himself, a giant of a man, but next to his partner, oh no, you're going to be the, you know, you're the, you're the lightweight uh, guy. You're going to get beat up and take the heat and do all the work. And it's like, it's crazy because he's so big. It's so funny because. Uh... This team has the smallest body of work, but is probably going to get the most. This is probably going to be our longest podcast because we're already uh, like 20 something minutes in and we're barely out of 96 talking about the outsiders who have potentially less than 50 matches as a team total in their careers. Yes, but the, they were a team of, of the year. That, that, this was their sweet spot. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack though here. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, they were kind of their own category. Uh, them against the Steiner brothers at sold out is uh, real fun. That whole setting for a show was fun. It's a show based around them. It's like the craziest. The set was cool. The match is cool. The fact that the Steiners come out and they're just like, Steiner brothers, losers, is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, those are big men that throw them around. And I just think it's funny. Okay, here's the other thing. Because it's the WCW ring, which is both smaller in size and shorter in ropes, like Kevin Nash looks even bigger. So when he's taking bumps, it looks even crazier. Yeah, so people, uh, I don't know if people really know this, but the WCW ring was like two feet shorter on each side. Uh, More, right, potentially, than WWF's ring? Potentially, but I think I think WWF is twenty, and I think WCW's was eighteen, probably. Yeah, so WCW's ring was eighteen by eighteen, which may not seem like a lot, but two feet on each side is a a, a big difference when you're in there. And then the ropes were like a whole foot shorter potentially, so everybody in those WCW rings looked gigantic, especially Nash and Hall. Yeah, the commentators even say it. At one point, he gets like thrown into the into the into the corner, and they're like, "Boy, he's so big!" It hits him in the midsection. I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's crazy." Can we talk about the double team maneuvers of the Outsiders? Okay, yeah, because here was my <laughs> takeaway as a team. Uh, 
they were giant men doing the most basic 101 stuff. Like, it's the most, it's almost untraditional how traditional they are. They have one double team move. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, well, okay, well, what's that? I, I, I think I could, I could beat you. Well, what's their one double team? It is Kevin Nash does snake eyes in the corner, distracts the ref, while Scott Hall throws a clothesline from the apron. Damn. Okay, because I was good, but they had a whole. They had a whole like the clothesline from the opponent on the apron. They got into that a million different ways. Like, yes, that it's, was the best one, but like, I definitely noticed. I was like, boy, the guy in the apron is hella busy. So if you watch it, if you, <laughs> if you watch them in order, like I did, you will notice that early they do snake eyes into Scott Hall clothesline from the apron. Eventually. As they get older and lazier, they do uh, Kevin Nash uh, boot choke in the corner, then grabs the referee, and then you, on more than one occasion, the camera is tight on Kevin Nash while he's doing the boot choke in the corner, and you hear him say, go to Hall. (laughs) (laughs) There's at least twice for that spot, but that's their only double team maneuver as a team. Okay, I thought you were going to say an actual double team, and then I was going to be like, uh, uh, uh. They always do something where the guy then feeds over to the other guy on the apron who gives him a clothesline. No, they don't have a double team. And I also noted in uh, the Benoit Flair match, which is uh, July 97, so it's about a year after they debuted and had done that same one double team move in every match, Mike Tanay exclaims, Masters of the double team, after they do their <laughs> one double team. <laughs> But yeah, and then the other thing I noticed with their super 101 uh, stuff that they did, like, if you were a referee in an outsider match, they were going to keep you busy. Like, they did so much, but it all made sense. Every time they cheated, they made sure they did it behind the ref's back, but they always had to, had to find a reason to make the ref turn his back. So I was like, boy, they really keep refs busy. Oh, yeah. So uh, we talked about the Piper Flare match earlier. Uh-huh, yes, uh, they're do like I noted right off the get, outsiders seem a bit surly here. Uh well it depends which match, because I watched both, but I know there's definitely one where I think the it was Nitro. The okay, I was thinking the pay per view. I know there's one where Flair brawls to the back and they do that, like, Hall does the thing where he's, like, choking him on the second, but then he does the old Razor Ramon spot where, you know, he, he messes with your hair. But he was slapping the crap on the top ahead of Piper, and I just felt bad because Piper was just old and tired, and you could just see he was like, there's nothing I can do about this. And it was just like, <laughs> wow, they're a little rough on the old guys. So it felt like there is where you kind of start, at least for me, for the first time seeing them go out to the ring, and you're like, Oh, shoot. I think they're messed up. Oh, okay. Right? I really wasn't looking for that. And usually I I fast forwarded to the entrances. I promise I wasn't either. But even on the entrances, they looked wobbly. And then they got in there and that match is a mess. Uh, After that, I, I watched a couple more from like, that was June 97. They have a fun one with Benoit Flair on Nitro in July 97. They have a wacky fun five-minute match with Wrath and Mortis in September 97 where they basically just take all of Wrath and Mortis's offense and then cheat to win. And I was like, hell yeah, that's how you tag team wrestle uh, like 
in that era, you know? Once again, like I said, the, it was it was crazy how basic their stuff was, but it all made sense. That was the thing. That was the one thing. It all always made sense. Yeah. So then you go from like late 97 to early 98. They have a bunch of like gaps where they're not around each other. Like uh, in the end of 97, Scott Hall was doing his own thing because Nash was hurt. And then Nash comes back and they are like jobbing teams out for a minute. And then Hall disappears and they come back against the Sting and Giant. I looked it up. Uh, it's because Hall showed up on TV drunk and pilled out and they sent him to rehab. Well, that's one reason to get off TV, I guess. <laughs> so his first match back is against Sting and Giant from Slamboree 98. Uh, and he is uh, noticeably off. I only looked up where he was on whether or not he was gone for injury or what because he looked noticeably off, you know? Yeah. So I watched that and I was like, what's going on here? Where was Hall? Was he did he like tear a hamstring or something? Is he coming back from injury? Then I realized he was coming out of rehab and I was like, oh shoot. Uh Yeah, that's the thing. Because you think the NWO, well, it went on forever. But like you would assume, oh, then Hall and Nash went on forever. I was like, no, they really didn't. Because I know, it, especially when they split into the black and the white, I was like, oh, obviously you can't look for any matches with them teaming there. Yeah, they've got a bunch of weird splits. Uh, and they always kind of came back together, but never for very long. So uh, even in this, this Sting and Giant match, they come back together. And then they uh, Hall turns on Nash in this match. And we're back to them being apart until 99. Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. They had on and off again, and then when they would, they would always they would always be some sort of an angle to get to something else where yeah, they wouldn't actually get another run as a team. Honestly, I think my favorite Hall and Nash match together that I watched was the Ray Conan uh Slambery ninety nine for the mask match. Yeah, that one I, I was like, okay, I, I know what they do against big guys. I go, like, they had to have worked small guys somewhere. And I saw that and I was like, all right, here we go. Let me see this. Let me see this. And like, once again, like it all made sense. And they they bumped around, not a ton, but when need be, they, they bumped around. Did you watch their TV match that led uh, the, the one that came before that? No, I have to see that's the thing. I thought it came after and I was just like, what? I didn't, so I didn't watch it. Okay, so if you watch their TV match, their pay-per-view match for the mask is their TV match, but they, like, worked out the kinks. And I always like seeing that, you know? Okay. So it shows that, you know, they they took the things that worked from that first one and just, uh, like, elevated it in the second one. Okay, so then how chaotic was the first match? Because while the second match was... Uh, I don't know if this is this is more wrestlery, but like I felt like all the big spots were good, but all the in-betweens were a little chaotic. So I was oh, like, oh, uh, <laughs> good, but a little like chaotic. The first one is uh, uh, like there's some fun stuff in it and that fun stuff they took to this next one. But in between it, the <laughs> the in-betweens are a mess. Yeah, that was kind of the vibe I got. Ooh, but the one thing I did get from that, uh, the first one, Mike Tanay mentions 
that Kevin Nash was highly recruited out of high school for basketball. And the only player in the nation recruited higher than Kevin Nash that year was Magic Johnson. What? (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about? But did you look that up? Because that just might have been like uh, uh, some, you know, that just might have been just for TV. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I trust Mike Tanay. Mike Tanay was, he was the guy, man. He had these random stats packed up. He said he's, uh, I, and I think he even cited a Michigan coach saying that the only player that was, uh, they recruited harder for was Magic Johnson. Wow. That's, that's something. I meant to put well, that I, in the I meant to put that in the top half of the show, but I'm getting it in now because it's in my notes for the Conan Mysterio match. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he definitely showed his athleticism in that match because what I had was I was like, and here's the thing, I think this is what might have been the key to the outsiders. Like oh, Nash is amazing in short spurts. Well, so is Hall. Hall, uh like in the Benoit Flair match. He is taking a full Benoit shine, and Benoit is throwing it to him. He's doing dragon screw leg whips and northern light suplex and chopping the crap out of him, which is like – and Scott Hall's there for all of it. And same thing with Rey Mysterio in these Mysterio-Conan matches. He is – he's taking all of Rey Mysterio's cool stuff, and he's there for all of it. Yeah, he has to be because, once again, it's odd that a man so big is, oh, no, he's the small bumper worker of the team. It's great. Yeah. Uh, overall, I did not hate watching The Outsiders. No, I was so surprised. Like, honestly, I watched it. I was like, wow, I got I was almost studying how basic like the heats they would put on guys like all the cutoffs were always just so basic, but like totally made sense. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So if we can get into now what made The Outsiders great, uh I mean, I think we 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 pinned it down. Um, like I said, right off the bat, and and it, it's so crazy that it comes down to this a bunch of times. That like some of the first things that I notice about these teams is really what like resonates through. Yeah, it's usually what uh, hits face is were... what usually is is what hits you in the face for a reason. <laughs> they were cool. And they were, they were having fun together. And they looked like they were having fun. They were confident. Everything they did was deliberate. It was like, and that was them from the start through the finish, minus those weird dips where they were probably <laughs> messed up. Yeah, no, it was definitely, like, it was weird because in my head, it just keeps blowing my mind because they're giants. But they were basically just a, a, a taller normal tag team there's one bigger guy there's one smaller guy like it was it was almost like the heart foundation just grew two feet you know what i mean like there's the one <laughs> guy there's the one guy that does everything yeah yeah i mean you're not wrong but yeah i mean that's uh what i think made them what what i think made them great was just how how confident they were and how 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 much they looked like they were having fun in there doing what they were also doing. i need to get this and we'll put this in why they're great the toothpick spot oh yeah oh uh also in matches that i didn't list because they were kind of whatever 
they wrestled <laughs> Public <laughs> Enemy at one point, and he flicks the toothpick, and it just gets stuck in Johnny Grunge's beard, and Hall and Nash lose it. They could not love it more. For some reason, I don't know why, as I watched the matches, I was like, here it comes. And I felt like, I don't know, maybe it was me just getting too deep, but I felt like the toothpick spot was somehow like some weird Rorschach inkblot test for like the opponent, like how you responded to the toothpick spoke volumes to me at least. Like I was studying the toothpicks, but like, how's he gonna react? How's he gonna take this? Like I think like Piper just stonewalled him. I was like, see, fucking Piper gets it. This is like you know how deep a character you are or are not into on how you react to the toothpick spot. Yeah, Piper didn't mess around. So yeah, toothpick spot was, and it was like a staple. Like that was the. Uh, you know, the carryover from WWF that they really, uh, <laughs> a really easy way to start these. Yeah, things. but I, I don't know why, but I, I grew to, to love and study the toothpick spot. No, but for a team that once again, as we talked about at the top of this thing, probably had as just the duo, I mean, 50, what, what are you thinking? 50, 60 matches, probably 30 matches that meant anything. Yes. And while I didn't necessarily dig into like how many they had, I was like, boy, they really didn't have a lot. And after watching this and enjoying their work, I feel like we were robbed. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why this one popped in my head. I go, oh, my God, I want to see the Outsiders versus Rated RKO. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I do think we were robbed a bit. I think WCW is so wacky at times and they were just so jumping in and out of things. They needed Hall and Nash to be almost bigger than a team so they kind of jumped them in and out of whatever they needed them to be and then you know nash getting hurt hall going to rehab they they had their reasons but i feel like we never got the great we we never reached full potential on scott hall and kevin Nash as a team because at times there are honest to god glimmers of of really great stuff yeah that's the thing like they both carried their end Nash wasn't going to do much because he was a giant. Hall was obviously the worker. He's going to work. Like, and then, yeah, like, I don't know. And the fact that it just was a WCW thing is where I really feel right. Because I think about all WWF teams. Like, imagine them beating up the Hardys. Imagine them edging Christian. Imagine them yeah. getting to work a bunch of teams. But, no, they just worked Steiners, Harlem Beat, Sting, Luger, Piper, Player. Yeah, it you know, it's it is a shame. There there is definitely a what could have been on this team. Uh how Cheech do you believe that we would have beat them? I have a couple of thoughts. Um okay. My initial thoughts were obvious pairings. Like we would just have to treat it once again like we were working a normal tag team with one guy's the worker, one guy's the big man. I was like, oh, unfortunately I guess Colin will get to go and work with Hall, and then I'll pretend to be the big man of the group and do big man stuff. Uh, honestly, this is uh, it was funny that I compared him to what uh, Heart Foundation, just taller. In my notes, I was as I was thinking like how we would wrestle them. I go, oh, it would be just like we're wrestling the Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're a you know what I mean. I was like, oh, like when we wrestle them. Colin gets in there and they, they wrestle and then me and the butcher get in there and I pretend to be a big man. I go, that's what it would be. I would just be accommodating to Nash. 
So my thoughts were, um, we have to have our NWO in space contingent with us because all of those matches had so much, like there's no way any two humans were beating the outsiders with how much outside attention the outsiders yeah, had. Yeah, for a team called the outsiders, they both, they had a million guys on the outside of the ring helping them. Yes, which makes total sense <laughs> now that you say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there was that. And then there was the other thought that we catch them while they're under the weather. We give them booze preemptively. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that was my other thought for how we potentially beat the outsiders because uh, I don't think in all of those matches that I ever saw them lose unless it was by DQ. So that's the other way that we could possibly win. Uh, we hop in a time machine back to 1998, back to when the, uh, the jackknife powerbomb was made oh, yes. illegal, and we trick we trick Kevin Nash into powerbombing us like he did to the Beverly Brothers when he lost when Hall and Nash lost to the Beverly Brothers by DQ in February '98 on what I believe was a Thunder. That's what it would be. We would have to force them to beat us up so bad that they would get DQ'd. Yeah, what's that? What's that called in uh, in lucha? Oh, I don't even know. What do you? What's that? Oh, there's like an excessive violence oh, rule. Yeah, yeah, that's what we would do. I'd be like, come on, you won't hit me with that chair 13 times. <laughs> so we beat them by excessive violence. Not a bad idea. We got to stop doing podcasts about teams that are gigantic and would just eat our lunch. Yeah, but like I said, in in it's so funny because once again, you assume the outsiders synonymous as a team and people say they're one of the great teams. They didn't have that many matches. So I feel like it's wide open as far as teams we can pick now because it was like, well, they had more matches than the Outsiders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's definitely teams that probably had longer runs in one year than the Outsiders had in their entire But I kind of speaks to it. And oh, part of me thinks the reason why they're also regarded so much is because there was always a belt involved. And I also noted because yeah. a belt was involved, they were usually semi-main. Correct. Yeah. Or main. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, none of it's wrong. I don't disagree with them being 97 team of the year. I don't disagree with them being highly regarded, uh, you know, uh, but at the same token, it's like us regarding uh, Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin as this great uh, tag team that they, I mean, once again, we'll probably get there, but we're not regarding them as a great tag team. We regard them as great wrestlers. They just happened to have a Yeah, exactly. I feel like with the Outsiders, were they necessarily a great team? Not quite. Were they great in their day? Absolutely. For sure. For sure. So, as we close the chapter on the Outsiders, any closing thoughts? Uh, Once again, like I expected to not like certain things, but... I was totally caught off guard by liking a lot more things than I thought I would. I liked their work more than I thought I would. I agree. 100% I agree. I, I definitely expected to be uh, uh, less into the Outsiders, but uh, they definitely earned 19, at least 1997 Tag Team of the Year. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. All right. One more down. What are you thinking for next week, Cheech? Now that the book's wide open. I don't know, man. I'm starting to think of like wacky teams. Like I'm thinking like 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 I bet you the FBI had a bigger run than the outsiders. I bet you like 
Mikey and Tajiri had which, bigger runs. Which, oh yeah, no, I'm 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 about either of that or any of that. Um, uh, other teams that won tag team of the year at one point, uh, X Pac and Kane won it in '99, and uh, uh, there's like a Van Dam and Sabu have a. Uh, I think they came like runner up one year. Um, yeah, so uh, the options are wide open, especially now that we've realized that the outsiders uh, potentially only have <laughs> 60 tag team matches under their belt. It's period. Bad. It's bad. But yeah, uh, hit us up on the Twitter at Dreamwork Pod. I'm Colin Delaney at Extremely Cute. That's Cheech at New Wave Cheech. Hit us up, let us know what you think, and let us know what you want to hear. And we will talk to you next week. See ya. Adios.